We are thinking about it together here with Dave Barker and Andrew Noble, our producer. And uh, we read an article by Mark, is it Devers? Dever. Mark Dever. Um, annoying title, maybe a, a, a tension getting, um, wanted more Catholic pastors. Mm-hmm. Now, I almost didn't read that because I have other things to read, but as I should have known, he doesn't mean what you think. He's talking about pastors who think catholically in the terms of beyond their own borders, beyond their own denomination. They think globally. Um, do the people in our churches understand that we are part of a global movement mm-hmm. or is it just about us? And I began to agree with him, actually, that we do need to um, just make our people mindful about the wonderful things that God is doing outside the walls of our church. You guys, do you think that's a, something we need to talk about, Dave? Absolutely. And uh, I, I remember the first time at Central Baptist Church in London that I prayed publicly I guess a good name to church. I prayed for Wortley Baptist Church. Worldly Baptist Church. Wortley Wart- Baptist Wart- Church. And I prayed that they God would bless them, mm-hmm. that they would their service would go well, etc. And I had this guy come up afterwards and he just he just I didn't know whether he was coming up mad or happy. Right. He came just made a beeline for me and said, Pastor. Yeah. That is a first time. Yeah. That church has ever been prayed for in this church, and it's high time it happened. Oh, really? (laughs) I walked away from that (laughs) with a sigh of relief, and I made it a regular practice to pray for the various churches in our city. And we had we had two really good. We had the LNDA, which is the Association of Fellowship Churches, but we also had another organization, uh, uh, an evangelical ministerium. And I would pray for North Park. I would pray for some of the other evangelical churches in town. And I tried to make that part of the pastoral prayer every Sunday. And uh, actually, you know, over time, it really changed the demeanor of the church because often some of the more older traditional fellowship churches Mm -hmm. can get pretty closed in on themselves. Well, back in the day, even within our fellowship— and even within dispensationalists within our fellowship, there was that oh, yeah. tension because Wortley, I say worldly, yeah, because that's what it was called. It was called worldly, even worldly. though they were Baptist fellowship Baptist, they were dispensational, but there's just something about them that wasn't quite enough. And so, the group that we were associated with, Dave, oh yeah, um, just took them off the Christmas list. Oh yeah, and that's mm-hmm. the way it was back then. And so to talk now about. Catholicity in terms of uh, blessing what God is doing uh, with denominations that do things that we don't like, but we have to admit that Jesus is in the center of it. Mm-hmm. That's a that's those that's light years from where we were. And Catholic does does not mean the Roman Catholic Church. Let's just clarify that yeah, that's for loud sure and we... clear. If you are listening, you're like Catholic. What Catholic means universal. That's what it means. It's not. Yeah. It's not talking. I mean, the word Catholic yeah. is obviously in the Roman, but it's almost a contradiction of terms. Roman. Okay, that's a city. Yeah. That's one locale. Right. The word Catholic means universal. Yeah. So it's like the universal local. That's, that's I'll use Catholic. the word global church. Yeah. Yes, um, yes. That seems to work for me. I like universal because of the way that it connects back to our history as well. Yeah. Um, partially it's used in the Apostles' Creed where 
one, I believe in one holy Catholic church, but also then it, when we think about, we gather not just together as Christians today with other Christians living today, but with a historic faith, a Catholic faith that Mm -hmm. we all adhere to. Um, but, but yes, today we need to associate with, whether formally or informally through prayer, um, or other means, even the Christ and culture conference, Mm -hmm. I Mm -hmm. think about that being a ministry to our city, not just to our own church. You know, as a, a, a pastor, I've, I feel like my first priority is to my church, my flock. These are the people shepherd. that I've got to shepherd and care about. And I can be about all kinds of things. I'm, you know, I may not be as in demand as Dave is, but speaking elsewhere and being about the, the larger kingdom. You know, even in our denomination, there are positions that need to be filled that take you away from your own local church. And I think it's all good, but there's nothing wrong or is there with saying, I want to, I want to put all my energy into feeding this flock and I'm not going to be involved in a whole lot of different things because of this. Now, Maybe that's not always a good thing. I think that's different for every person. Different people have different capacities to be able to handle that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And and I think we have to stay within ourselves and uh, not try to be something that someone else is. And so, Bob, you need to make some decisions as to allocations of time. You also need to talk to your leadership, your elders, to say, okay, how widely elsewhere can I be involved? And in many ways, let your elders uh, put the boundaries mm-hmm. on on what you're doing. But I think the other side, but back to the, but I really think it has has primarily to do with your own sense. And I think that every pastor needs to have a deep, deep commitment to the well-being of their flock. Mm-hmm. Um, and when we start getting involved in things that begin to mitigate against that. See, I, I think that we can, by, by being more of a Catholic pastor, mm-hmm. we actually can bring good to our, our congregations, yeah. right? So for, for example, some of these things that they suggest here, uh, pray privately, privately for other local pastors and congregations. Okay, well, that happens in our studies, mm-hmm. right? Set an example for our church by publicly praying for God's blessing. Well, even that example I gave you, that changed something in our mm-hmm. church mm-hmm. for for good, right? Encourage ministers of other evangelical denominations to preach from time to time in our pulpits. Well, that's that's not taking away any. Uh, might, you might miss a pulpit, might miss a Sunday now and then, but that's not. The worst thing in the world, mm-hmm. right? Uh, other voices in our pulpits, you know, appropriate voices are always a blessing to to the congregation. Uh, and then occasion may arise to accept invitations to preach in theirs. I I would say in that situation, run that by your elders. Make sure that it's good with them. Mm-hmm. And if it starts happening once a month, mm-hmm. then you know, no way. You you need to put some brakes on that whole thing. Some churches have an issue with the the compensation, but if it's just a, a swap, right? Uh, there's no, it's not a budgeting issue. You can do that very easily, um, but we don't do that a lot. Well, another another part of this is I was always very committed when I was pastoring to our local associations, 
And mm-hmm. so uh, going to the LNDA in London was mm-hmm. a big deal for me. Uh, going to our Waterloo Wellington Association when I was a bit more involved at Benton uh, was a, important to me. Um, and then there's a couple of other evangelical denominations in this area as well as when Why I was Why is that a good thing? Because not everybody goes. And I know. And you know who don't go, Who the ones who do mm-hmm. not go are tends to be the pastors of the big churches. And there's a reason for that. They've got enough in 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 their own world mm-hmm. to pray with other staff, to pray, to have that broader kind mm-hmm. of uh, involvement with yep. people. Mm-hmm. But you take a pastor of a hundred people, or seventy five people, or fifty people, a church plant, or something like that. You know, other than maybe one or two other people, yeah. they're all alone. Mm-hmm. And so they love coming to those association meetings because they get to pray with someone yeah. else. And when the pastors of the big churches don't show up, it's sending a very clear mm-hmm. message mm-hmm. that we don't have time for this. We're, we got more important things yeah. to do in our big churches, uh, so you guys are on your own. Mm-hmm. I, I, I really, I, I see this happening, and, and it bothers me. And I just want to say to, you know, guys who have pastorates of, you know, with multiple staff, come on, uh, help out some of these other young guys. It may not be all that helpful to you because you got a lot within your own resources, but boy, oh boy, you're really going to help somebody else here who's struggling, just trying to stay connected. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. It's, a pre- it's, a, it's a lonely job, right? Mm-hmm. And if you're in a church of 50 people, um, and whether you work at home or win- work from the church building, yeah. it's a long, lonely day. Yeah. You know, another thing about that is that when you're a lead pastor and you're, you're giving some leadership that is kind of out there. It's It means a lot to say that in our association, we've talked about this and there's a consensus among us that this is the right time to do what it, whatever it is you're doing so that you're not a, an outlier. Yeah. You're in community yes. with godly people who are yes. pouring into your lives. And that's what a denomination will do. But sometimes the denomination is, is once a year, they meet. But when you're monthly with with people who are respected kind of hedging you in that that comforts church leadership well and inevitably those meetings you share a little bit of what's going on in your church you bring in some of the highlights as the group becomes fairly familiar with each other sometimes you you'll, you'll start hearing some low lights mm-hmm. and some moments of grief and moments of difficulty and other pastors can gather around you and lay their hands on you and pray for you as you're dealing with a particular difficult mm-hmm. situation because inevitably those difficult situations are not unique to any one of us we've all mm-hmm. dealt with them and and so um i i just call on yeah so i call them on all of us to get involved. I just think this whole business about connecting Mm -hmm. outside of our local churches, outside of our denominations. I mean, we're staying in the world of evangelicalism for sure. Nobody's talking about going to uh, uh, things that liberal situations where they're not. uh, Well, and that's an important distinction because I was thinking to myself like, okay, but there's some gatherings where it's perhaps an interfaith gathering. You know, I, I've been invited to those when I was an elder at the last church. You'd get invitations to, oh, it's an interfaith gathering. It's like, is this really a priority in the same way? This is more an evangelism mm-hmm. opportunity. Yeah. Um, or, you know, if if the the group starts to become more affirming or something yeah. like that, yeah. you're just in a situation where association actually would, would be scandalous in a way. Mm-hmm. But if you're involved in missions, right? Isn't that a natural way to lift the eyes of our church to what God is doing globally? 
and maybe not just Baptist churches, but if you're with an interdenominational SIM or AIM, sure. something like that, it kind of helps you um, think about the nations a little bit more and the other churches. Yeah. No, I, another little factor, and uh, something I played in once, played into a number of times was if I knew that there was someone from my church who was unhappy with me or what we're doing or whatever, sometimes I'm not talking about to move to another town, but in our own, mm-hmm. and I knew they were going to head off to another church. Um, I would call the pastor mm-hmm. and I, I appreciated when a pastor called me or someone comes to my church from another evangelical church in town mm-hmm. to give that guy a call and just say, Hey, uh, I just got this couple coming. Uh, you know, uh, can you give me a little bit of uh, background on this? Just so that did I, you know? <laughs> yeah. First of all, did you know? And secondly, yeah. give me a heads up. Yeah. I, I'm not uh, here for you to trash them or anything like that, but it just give me a bit of an idea of how to, so I'm not walking into, mm-hmm. and I just think that's all part of what it is to be. Yeah small C Catholic as pastors. What kind of effect do you think that would have on people in the church if they knew that the pastors talked? But it's like doctors, Would it be a good thing? Yes. When you go to McMaster Hospital and you find out that the McMaster Hospital, the doctors there have already gone out of their way to Mm -hmm. speak to the doctors at Grand River, Mm -hmm. you're relieved. Yeah. Because you know they care for you, mm-hmm. you know that it's in your best interests, and that you know that it was appropriately disclosed with confidentiality in mm-hmm. mind. And so you, I would be thankful as a patient, right? Now, we sometimes don't see our pastors mm-hmm. with the same respect mm-hmm. as our culture sees doctors, but I think there's a similarity there that we, we ought to consider. Mm-hmm. I think that probably means we're out of time, my brother's. Uh, we're all Baptists here, I think, but um, I am. I am. A we can Baptist. we can maybe bring some outsiders in and get some perspective. But until then, it's been wonderful chatting about this. Uh, God bless you all. We'll see you next time we gather together on thinking about it. Mm-hmm.